Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome back, for those of you who have been with us for a while. Um, today I'm excited because I'm talking to an old friend uh, met in Las Vegas years ago when we lived there, and she's got a company. It's a it's been going now for five or six years, and it's it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is I can't get enough beverages, different kinds of beverages. Anybody that knows me knows that I have two or three lined up, ready to go in unison. Right now I've got a little bit of uh, kombucha, a little bit of water, and a little bit of red espresso all lined up in a row. I also drink a lot of different types of things like, you know, coffees and mushroom teas and mushroom coffees and pretty much anything you can put mushrooms into and uh, all sorts of different things. So I'm excited to talk to Jen Bassler. She's the co-founder and co-CEO of Kin Euphorics. And uh, for those unfamiliar with Kin, Kin is actually, they created an adult beverage category and it was one of the first, I think, to do that. And they've created this non-alcoholic, nootropic, uh, botanic, and adaptogenic formulas to create um, just an uplifting effect when you have them. And they also have social benefits too. So interesting, interesting topic. Looking forward to talking to Jen here in a minute. All right, before we dive into the interview though, I wanted to take a moment to shine a light on one of the companies from our community, the Startup of Your Year community, which you can join right away if you've got an idea or getting going with your startup, or even if you've raised a little bit of funding. Just go to startupoftheyear.com and, and join our, our community today. All right, so that company, though, is dun, 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 Algen Air, which is a living technology company that develops natural air filtration technology. <sighs> we can all breathe <laughs> a little bit uh, better with what they're doing. The first product is a consumer natural air purifier uh, developed by scientists that packs the power of 25 houseplants in a compact, convenient, easy-to-care-for package that na- that uh, no other air purifier can do. So looking forward to what they're up to. If you go over to allergen, allergenair.com, it's allergen, A-L-G-E-N dot uh, air.com, A-L-G-E-N-A-I-R.com, and learn more. And uh, we appreciate what you're doing, Algen, because we all need to breathe a little bit better. All right, now let's Jump into that conversation with Jen Batchelor from Ken Euphorics. Hey, Jen, welcome, and thanks so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a while. It's been so long. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you because I'm actually a, a user of your product, Ken Euphorics, and I think others uh, need to know a little bit more about what it is. So could you just share for our listeners that are unfamiliar, quick kind of backstory of, of what it is and how you co-founded this company? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thanks for using the product. Um, We've been formally, I should say, commercially distributing for about three and a half years, but it's been a labor of love um, and a a brainchild of mine for about a decade. Um, And we started getting it out into the community in 2017. So it's evolved quite a bit since the beginning. I'll sort of tell you how users are enjoying it now. Um, But it really started as the world's first functional 
adult beverage, right? So as an alcohol alternative, we used everything from nootropics to adaptogenic herbs, um, mushrooms, functional, you know, root medicines and everything in between to deliver what we heard drinkers were wanting um, in terms of the feeling, in terms of effect, and in terms of benefit. And so um, it really very much originally originally started as um, this, you know, feel-good aperitif, sans alcohol or other intoxicants. And now it's sort of evolved into this range of functional beverages that hit, um, you know, different rituals throughout your day, um, leveraging the different types of uh, plants and effects that we can achieve through through them. Um, and so now it's kind of like your all day feel goods partner in crime. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how did you I mean, is this something that you were like, you know, I'm going to start looking at these different, um, I guess you could say, nootropics and herbs and things and trying to figure out like how to make a drink or how I'd love to know the backstory of how you're like, you know what, I'm going to make a drink product for people. <laughs> you know, like, how did that all come about? I mean, you knew me back when, like 10 years ago, I was, you know, living amongst the world's greatest innovators. Um, and, you know, I wasn't a huge drinker. I was seeing a lot of drinking happening around me. Um, I knew the value of nourishing, altering, supporting mood. Um, but there really wasn't a solution for me or others that were looking to feel a certain kind of way, whether it was transition from work to play or, you know, create more of a, of a conscious sort of connection with others. Um, we had a lot of folks living where we were at the time in, in downtown Vegas that were that were sort of, you know, they were brainiacs and a lot of them were were self-reported um, introverts and sort of socially awkward and shy. Um, and I'm like, you know what? There's plants for that. You know, I was sort of the one who was baking these like dehydrated kale chips in my in my apartment at the Ogden. <laughs> I was also, um, you know, the the girl bringing a green juice to a party, and it was kind of it, it was definitely very. Um, I did feel like the wallflower outsider in that um, social sphere, but I also knew that um, there was something to that story of, of the power of herbs to bring us deeper together and um, to elicit a, a mood and a feeling. And so I started experimenting um, even back then with, with different uh, supplements and tinctures and things to improve my mood. Um, and over time, ultimately created this uh, this aperitif that sort of was specifically designed for happy hour um, and very much designed to lower cortisol and improve um, connectivity. And there's a, there's a lot of science to, to back the ingredients that we're using uh, to that end. But it was just one big experiment, Frank, honestly, and it, it took about 10 years to get to a formulation that I was really excited about. Wow. Yeah, it's that overnight instant success, right? 10 years in the making. <laughs> so, um, so tell me a little bit more about like, you know, now you kind of hit this this stride of like there's this movement towards non-alcoholic beverages, and you were ahead of that curve. Um, you know, you see things like Dry January, and there's just so much data out there about the impact alcohol has on your system, uh, whether it even be a one one drink a day versus you know one drink a week. Like it all has an impact, and I, I I love that you're like ahead of that curve. But I wanted to get your take on. Um, on that and how you're seeing using that data to kind of continue to build your product. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you can speak to this more eloquently than I can in terms of um, how tech has really evolved the way that we think about um, how we live our lives, our mindsets at large. And, um, you know, I, I didn't take any of that for granted. I realized that we were all becoming more informed and more educated, right? It's the age of information after all. And so um, the consumer is really smart and, and they care about what they're putting in their body. They care about what they're consuming, not just from, you know, a, a sort of nutritional standpoint, um, but across the board, how are these things that I'm wearing, you watching, listening to, how are these things making me feel at the end of a long day, right? At the end of a day where I wanna take stock of like how I contributed to the world and what I experienced and how can I come back and be a better partner to my uh, my significant other or, or for my causes and my team. So I was just seeing the confluence of this happening in my own life. And luckily when I did take the dive and, and sort of um, ascend to this challenge, I guess you can, you can say now looking back five years later, um, in 2017, when I really first um, launched into it, it was still nascent, right? There were still people, there were some rumblings, I think uh, a good friend of mine, Ruby Warrington, who ultimately penned the book on this thing um, called Sober Curious, that released in, I wanna say it was 2018, 2019. But she and I would compare notes, you know, it was it was this, um, this sort of collective consciousness that started to form around this concept of, look, the more we know, the, the the less we can unlearn and unknow the things that alcohol is doing to us. And frankly, creativity being a currency, time being the true luxury in this era, people don't have time for like, hangovers. They don't have time, especially for alcohol being a neurotoxin. They don't they can't afford for their brain and their creative instrument to be dampened, to be um injured in any way. And I really do think people are thinking about it in that way. They want to optimize self. They want to optimize their work. Um, and this is a way to do it. Well, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. I mean, I definitely, one of the things for me, I haven't been obviously drinking alcohol that much. Um, you know, did have a dry January and everything else. I've been drinking kin and others to, to kind of fill mm -hmm. that void. But you start, when you start from a data perspective, like you mentioned, keeping track, like your Apple iPhone, if you have one, you know, you can keep track of how much alcohol you have every day. And once you start plotting it out, you realize, wow, that's a lot, or maybe that isn't a lot. And and then you can obviously measure the impacts of that. And like recovery, I was not something I was thinking of, but you're right. Like you, you know, I'd sit, remember back in the college days, right? We, you had a lot of time to sit around and recover, right? Cause you could sleep till noon or whatever. And now we just don't have that, especially if you have kids or, you know, other, you know, your, your job or whatever is really pulling at you. So 100% understand and hear you that there. And I think you're right. People are becoming more savvy around that. All right. So digging in here, like, you know, you didn't, this is, is this your first product that you've ever launched like this? Yes. Yep. It is. Okay. How did you go about it? How did you know, how did you figure it out? Like not everyone, you know, a lot of people have ideas, but it's hard to bring this into a, into fruition. And then also on top of it, get it to the point where it's actually being distributed and, and kind of all around. So tell us a little yeah. bit more about how you got got going and what kind of led you down the journey. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a it was a balance of the internal ideation, right? That process of you're, you're in, intuiting a solution for a problem that not just you know very authentically, but that the world seems to be struggling with. And, you know, I, I really took to heart this experience that I've had in life that has, has really brought me um, very organically to, to this work. And um, I don't know if many listeners know my my story, so I'll give you sort of the, the 30 second synopsis. But um, 
I grew up in Saudi Arabia where alcohol is still prohibited. So my dad actually was a second generation distiller of moonshine, beers and wines. Um, so I literally lived this experience. I, I, I knew what alcohol could do to people without even having the scientific knowledge or even the latest research that we have available today in terms of what alcohol does to, to you. Just anecdotally, right, watching people uh, engage with alcohol. A lot of it was to me, fast forward in my 30s when I was creating this, worth preserving actually. I, I really loved the idea of community coming together around something, uh, around a ritual in particular, but I didn't love what it did to families and individuals um, in terms of um, their state of mind and um, to their bodies and brains. So it took a lot of just focus ideating to get to a place where I could um, even start the seedling of an idea, right, a, 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 for a solution. I then went and studied Ayurvedic medicine, uh, specifically focused on herbs, adaptogenic herbs being the, the sort of core of that practice, um, as well as Ayurvedic psychology, which does have a focus around trauma um, and stress, right? So uh, the belief that these initial traumas uh, and stressors really are the, the source of the symptoms that we then feel and bring into our lives and struggle with, whether it's, you know, weight gain or brain fog, right? Some and everything in between disease or dis dash ease. And so um, being able to study that was such a gift. It, it definitely brought me into deeper connection with um, with this solution, ultimately, that, that was brought to life. The way I came about it um, to actually manifest it physically was working with people who had already done it, right? So people that had um, created beverages that um, later became very successful, you know, commercial successes, working with uh, some of the big three um companies out there that are responsible for about 90% of the beverages we drink in America. So I went to them and just hat in hand and said, look, I have this crazy idea um, for this drink. I have no idea where to begin. I need a formula. And so I was introduced to a formulator, um, told them the concept. We got a prototype together and then the search began for a manufacturer. And that was, you know, a year long journey. How exciting. I mean, that's a really fun I mean, it doesn't sound fun at the time, probably for you, but like the journey of actually figuring it out, almost like a detective, like, hey, I've got to I got to find a formulator. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. have even known that. Right. And so um, that's really cool. And so here you are now. You've you've, you've been doing this for five years. We're, you've got distribution at different places. I think it, I noticed you, you, you're at Sprouts, which is very exciting. Um, I find it locally at one of our um, health food stores. Um, how how has that been? Like, what is it like to get, you know, maybe there's some things maybe there that others could pull from your experience of like trying to get your stuff in into some of these stores like what have been the hurdles what have been the things you've you've learned and what is, what's the best approach to make that happen yeah so i mean first and foremost we got our story out um through press really early on and that was mainly just us and myself in particular running around to different bars and um sharing this product and really trying to get feedback from people real honest feedback like be as brutal as you can be tell me everything and so i was going to everyone from my local bartender to um the, you know the juice bar owner down the street and 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 
you're really bringing these ideas and, and these samples out to everyone. And so um, I, I, organically through that, because they were so um, close to the creative process, they, they felt an affinity for the product, especially when I did come to them with this sort of minted, you know, upcycled sake bottle with a formal label and ingredients and everything. They were like, oh my God, okay, we want to be the first to carry it. And they were so excited um, and, and felt so honored to have been a part of the journey. And so that was the sort of the seedling of the distribution um, strategy early on. But then because the concept was so new, because the concept was so values driven, we ended up finding and activating our tribe online. And what that ultimately did was help us build community that way. We were seeking out and finding and meeting and being reached out to by a number of independent boutique shops, um, as you mentioned, mostly natural food stores, um, different hoteliers, bar owners, and things like that, that were like, I need this for my guests. My customer is going to love this. I'm going to love this. And so we would just ship them samples um, and begin relationships like that. I mean, at the end of the day, every business is a relationship game, but especially when you're making something that others are going to physically consume food, beverage, or otherwise. So um, it was very, you know, humble beginnings. And then I just sort of announced, hey, um, we're sort of inundated with requests to carry the product. If you want to carry Kin, please fill out this survey. And it was just like, why do you want to carry our product? What do you know about these ingredients? Do you have time for an intro session? Um, and that served to be the best possible way to partner with these retailers because we taught them how to speak about the movement. We taught them. We we taught them about the different ingredients, um, mm -hmm. and they became our best ambassadors. Frankly, wow! I like that approach. It's a very much um, strategic, but also thoughtful, thorough kind of way of making sure the people you're getting your product, you know, putting your product out with, are also on board. So I love that. It's really good advice. Um, all right. So now you're out. How many? You got a bunch of different different. Um, I don't want to call them flavors, but you've got a bunch of different. Uh, you call them like what do you call them? A bunch of different Feelings. styles. Um, different yeah, so you got the Kin Spritz. I, I, I'm drinking one of those right now, um, mm. and I don't really usually do caffeine, so this will be a trip. Um, mm. And what uh, what other what are your kind of other kind of different styles of, of Kin, and what do they do? What are the different kind of properties? I guess you could say. Yeah, so there's there's three layers to this thing. Um, the way that we think about our range, first and foremost is we think about the ritual, right? We think about the feeling that we're trying to elicit. So right now we have four ready to drinks, one that's sort of your breakfast uh, booster, your immunity booster. It's modeled after a mimosa. It is pineapple, turmeric, ginger, cardamom. So there's like layers of flavor. It's not your, yeah. it's not your everyday mimosa for sure. What's that one called? That one's called actual sunshine. Oh yeah, I don't have that one yet. I gotta try to find that. That's the brand new one, Golden Goodness. It's inspired by everything we're going through mm -hmm. in the world today. Just everyone being so, um, you know, focused on their well-being and immunity, especially. Mm -hmm. um, and also just the research that's come out recently, just sharing and, and proving how depleted most of us are in um, vitamin D3 or how deficient we are in that nutrient. So um, that one has a clinical dose of vitamins, vitamin D3, vitamin C, zinc, um, you know, saffron and turmeric, which are highly anti-inflammatory. So all of that is modeled after that morning ritual. It's like you wake up, you, you know, if you don't have the luxury of being out and, um, 
I, I know a lot of biohackers love this, uh, just the natural hack of being out and exposing your chest to some some natural sunlight um, can make a world of difference for your day, can set your mm -hmm. circadian rhythm on the right track. If you don't have that luxury, you've got kin here. Um, I and, like that, yeah, because I live in Maine and it's, I mean, I could do it some days, but last weekend, not so much. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, like yeah. negative out. Yeah. Exactly. So you'll have something to like reach into your fridge and it's mm -hmm. it's sexy, it's fun, and it's also good for you. So that's how we, we like to, to start our day as, as kin here. And, and we move from there into the world of kin spritz. So um, a lot of folks love that drink for happy hour um, and it is designed for that. It's modeled after an Aperol spritz. Mm -hmm. However, the efficacy of that product is so high because we it was our first baby of the lot. We did in incorporate... Um, 5-HTP, GABA, um, there is 50 milligrams of caffeine, as you mentioned, um, but it is smoothed out by the L-theanine experience, which um, your your uh, your neurohackers are going to know a lot about that. It's an extract from green tea um, that does help with mood, and it curbs that sort of like um, the that anxiety, that sharp intake or uptake of energy whenever you have a, a truly, you know, whenever you have like an energy drink, for example. Mm -hmm. So curve that spike that you get when you get like a caffeinated drink of some sort, whether it be coffee yeah. or something. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. You want to smooth it out. I don't want you to like get super energized and then crash and burn. Um, so it is a, a smoother rise, as we like to call it. Um, and that one does, it's much bit more bitter than, than the sunshine, right? That's going to be like your digestive. Mm -hmm. Then you have the light wave, which is well, not... Actually Sorry to pause there, but what should I be drinking this with? Do you drink it out of the can? Do you, should I be doing it some other way? Am I doing it wrong? What am I no, doing? Perfect. It's okay. out of the can. You okay. know, you like to keep it simple, keep it sexy. So okay. bartenders will play with it. You know, I, yeah. I pride ourselves in the fact that all of our drinks are less than six grams of sugar um, mm -hmm. and it's all from real juice. And the point of that is so that when it does get in the hands of a home bartender or, or a bartender at um, your favorite bar, mm -hmm. they can judge it up as they wish you know they can add syrups add you know extracts whatever it is that they want to make it their own um okay and then, got it. Wind down, and then to top it off we have an all-day rosé so the wind down is called light wave it's reishi mushroom pa passion flower l-tryptophan l-serine um and then you have the all-day rosé which is called kin bloom and that one's exactly what it sounds like. You can drink it whenever you want. It's non-caffeinated, so you can have five or six if you want. Um, and there's aphrodisiac properties in that one as well. I actually like the Kin Bloom the best, and I didn't know about the, the properties you just mentioned, but for some reason I love that one. <laughs> and um, it, it, it hit all the, the check boxes, I guess you could say, you know, not having caffeine and, you know, just, I don't know. I, I like that one the best, I guess, so far. But I haven't tried the first one you mentioned, so I got to go look for that one. Well, that one's going to be a really fun one for you too, especially in the morning. It does have that like a little nod to, um, you know, there's the citrus and the champagne. And so it's really nice. And of course, they're all non-alcoholic. So, I mean, what right. we find is like a lot of people ask us, like, why do you put caffeine in some and not in others? Mm -hmm. I mean, energy is a spectrum. And just as you right. pointed out, you don't, you don't typically have caffeine, but you still want something to wind down at night or you still want mm -hmm. something replace your alcohol experience and you deserve to have that so for us we we like to split the range between caffeinated and non-caffeinated that makes sense and now you mentioned a bunch of different things that are in these drinks are any of them like anything we should be cautious about like that's on the like radar of potentially i don't know i'm, I'm assuming these are all really approved by the fda but is there anything else that's like ooh, that's like something new that people don't know about yet or something i don't know i'm just trying to <laughs> ask the questions that people might be thinking you know 
No, so we did not invent any of the ingredients that are in Kin. We simply were the first to marry them. Um, so the important things to note, you know, it really depends on what you're bringing to the table and, and who you are. So if you have any doubts, definitely check with your your physician. But for me, usually I get the question like, okay, well, I'm pregnant and I don't want to have alcohol, but can I drink Kin given the nootropic content, given you know the the adaptogens? Right. Um, I was more worried about the warning because that's it's got you know. It's it's got a warning, right? Important, you know, not to, for children, pregnant or nursing people. Um, and so that, that's what I was curious about because that, you know, set, sets off alarms for people and I just wanted to understand it. So why you had to do that? And also like, is there anything to be cautious of? So I guess that's Yes. Cool. So by the way, we didn't have to do it. We actually decided since we were the first to launch the, the category that we lovingly refer to as euphorics, um, which is that functional adult beverage category, um, we wanted to set the gold standard. We don't want these to be for um, kids to... Uh, abuse in any way you know there is such a thing as too much caffeine there is such a thing as right. um, you know enough micronutrients especially when it comes to some of these psychoactive nootropics so mm -hmm. um, even though the FDA has approved them it didn't really matter to me I, I, I still wanted there to be a call out that hey sip these intentionally please you know this is not a, your four loco situation <laughs> we're trying to <laughs> help you be conscious not help you um, you know get mm -hmm just over inundate yourself with with one particular right. ingredient or another so don't slam three or four of these in a row either because you just don't know right that's <laughs> yeah go easy go easy. yeah go easy okay Got that it. is the benefit of doing this right like if incorporating these ingredients in a beverage format versus how you typically see these ingredients which is in pill or powder form pill or powder you're just kind of trusting the manufacturer to you know create the dosing that is you know under the guidance of the NIH or the FDA with kin we're actually putting a quarter dose in each can so that even if you are pounding three or four in a row your max bidding right like that max recommended dosage doesn't get achieved until after you reach four. Oh wow so you have to do a whole pack basically you got to do a, a whole pack and yep. your body's self-regulating as right. you're sipping this right so it's a, it's taking the time to assimilate it's, um, you know, it's, it's that to me, it's the best delivery system that we have out there, especially with, um, we actually do use a nanolipid. So the ingredients are most, uh, in their most bioavailable form, um, which is really important when you're using these supplements. Um, but outside of that, and to answer your question about, for example, with the pregnancy piece, it really is up to you. I know a lot of moms that are slamming, you know, 150 milligrams of caffeine in the morning in their latte. Right you know, and then skipping caffeine the rest of the day. So mm -hmm. if you're doing that anyway, I don't mind you having a spritz, you know, with lunch or something. Which like is that. way less caffeine <laughs> than, than what you just mentioned. Right. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. More control. I was just curious. Yeah. I saw it and it, you know, those types of warnings you wonder, especially on some, a new category, it sounds yes. like you're blazing the path for what the regulations, I mean, what people should do. Right. And if they're going to create products like this, you like, mm -hmm. you want it to be safe rather than not. So I appreciate that so yeah. much. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your team and kind of what you've been doing. You're doing this based out of Austin, Texas, looks like. So tell us a little bit more about um, how you've been growing the company there and kind of what the culture looks like and everything like that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we launched in New York and started moving uh, to LA very quickly thereafter. We knew that our community was very active on both coasts. And so I was splitting a lot of time between the two cities. We started growing we had five teammates in New York, and then we grew to about 30 teammates across LA and New York because we ended up 
um, casting for an incredible street team um, of samplers and hosts. Um, so for those of you familiar with the OG Kin days, we did have a speakeasy in Brooklyn, um, RIP, uh, called Moonrise Kingdom. And then, and Moonrise Studio, and then we ended up opening a kin house in LA. Um, five five bars, uh, three sort of uh, connection studios. We like to call them in a speakeasy. And those days. Wait, were a kin house? What's a kin house? Is that like a? Is that where your office is, or is it like? Uh, what is that? Tell me a little more about that. No, so I ended up finding. You know, our our drinks are inherently social, especially, especially in the beginning. They were designed for the bar, right? So I really wanted to expand the, the question of like introducing the, the product to people and it's like right set and setting was really important to me. And there were a couple of bars that shared our values in LA, but LA is just so spread out um, that it was really difficult to um, get that or deliver that experience to our core community there. And so what I decided to do was centralize ourselves in West Hollywood, get a bungalow. I rented this bungalow from this woman who was about to tear down this gorgeous little like mid-century mod. It was like a nod to Swiss architecture. It looked like a little chapel, this house in a residential neighborhood. And I convinced her to let me remodel it um, since she was going to tear it down anyway. And what I ended up doing was converting the bedrooms into lounges. Um, we created, you know, five bars throughout the property. We turned an old she shed into a into a speakeasy, and we hosted a thousand people there every weekend. <laughs> wow, the pandemic. that sounds fun. Yeah, that's great. I love yeah, it. it was so much fun. And it was, you know, everyone from Reggie Watts um, to Andre 3000. I mean, there were people coming to perform and host and um, do all kinds of things. And so, um, yeah, it was just such a beautiful way to share the product. And we needed a lot of boots on the ground to help with those experiences. Unfortunately, after the pandemic, we did end up having to part ways with most of our experiential team. And so, um, you know, we're back down to 15 people spread all over the country, uh, spreading the gospel of conscious connections. So <laughs> right. we're all extremely mission driven. Um, you know, now that the team has expanded a bit more into now that we're doing a lot more retail expansion, we have an, an incredible sales team on board. Um, but yeah, we're just kind of a bunch of funny, like psychonauts, creatives, everyone's innovative and funny in their own way. Um, we're just a very, very tight knit team. I mean, by now, you know, we've, we've five X the business in the last, last five years. Um, I wow. thought we had like 50 people by now, but honestly, like a business like ours does better with, I think a more streamlined, tight, intimate team, yeah. um, you know, that, that just, you know, is rowing in the same direction. Yep, very lean. Now, I didn't ask these questions earlier, so I wanted to find out, did you bootstrap this? And ha have you been bootstrapping it? Or, you know, were you able to take funding? Or what was the, what's been the strategy from like a growth perspective there, just so I better understand? Yeah, so we were really lucky. We we bootstrapped our first, call it a year and a half, especially during the R&D phase. Um, we were able to get to an MVP without any funding. Um, which is really important to me. I, I didn't want to raise behind just a concept. Um, I really wanted to have something for these investors to try it. I knew that ultimately we need to raise money, um, but we took that year and a half to beta sample, get you know a, an MVP out with some data um, behind uh, behind us in terms of you know who's drinking this, why are they drinking this, um, 
and the, the, the traction and the demand for this type of product. And so at that point, we went out um, in early 2018 and we raised from a couple of um, what I really call like future of food funds. I mean, people that were betting on plant-based meats and um, whether it was Impossible Burger or Memphis Meats and all kinds of incredible um, biotech and, and food tech. So we were the first, and I think still to this day, their only uh, future of drink investment. Um, and oh, we wow. did that. Yeah. And so, you know, through that, I think that was probably one of the smartest things we did because these folks were definitely like longer tail investors. They wanted to invest in us for, um, you know, the, the future of, of humanity. So one of them is called 50 Year, and literally their name is 50 Year because they're investing in things that are going to change the face of culture over the next 50 years forever. So, um, you know, they introduced us to a number of incredible people in the food tech space, um, which allowed us to really refine our process. Um, and then we continue to raise uh, thereafter from your sort of traditional CPG um, investment um, firms and, and other angels. Wow, great. Congratulations. And so are you thinking about more fundraising? Are you in a good position? It sounds like growth is good. Um, pandemic wasn't great, but that's not, not, that was pretty much for everybody. So <laughs> wanted to get your take on where you're at now. Yeah. I mean, we were, again, just the, the good fortune follows us. I think, I mean, we're not immune to, to the supply chain challenges and economic challenges that people are facing, but, um, the pandemic was funny for, for us just in terms of business, because we were, um, we started digital, right? We started online. Um, so we, we were the first three years of our business. Um, primarily shipping and distributing directly to our consumer right. and had built a lot of this. I mean, even the beta program we built right into our process um, through our dot-com hub. And so um, while everybody, all these CBG brands were scrambling to get online after the pandemic hit, we had already been there for two years. Um, so that allowed us to essentially serve our customer faster, easier, um, where they were already starting to to shop. If they weren't already, they were they were you know doubling down on their online shopping habits. So we um, more than doubled the business in 2020. Ended up raising some money um, through that, and I would say now we're in a position where we don't really have to raise again. Um, we're coming up on profitability this year, but there, there definitely is some value to bringing on strategic help, especially in the beverage space, right? You need that, like just the physical, um, power of distribution, right? Getting on trucks and, and being introduced to new retailers. So, um, that's definitely something that's on our horizon for sure. Okay. That makes sense. And then also, you know, just for those that aren't familiar, maybe like talk a little bit more about um, any challenges maybe you had with maybe that first raise. Was it, you know, it sounds like you, it sound, you made it very sound like it was very much like a breeze, but I'm assuming, you know, with an MVP of a physical product, did it take a while to find 50 year or did you, you know, how did that all go? You know? No. So, um, 50 year actually was in our network already. So my original co-founder and now husband um, was a co-founder of Soylent, which was um, had a. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. Soylent. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. 
Yeah, so they um, they launched in San Francisco. They were part of um, Paul Graham's Y Combinator mm-hmm. um, accelerator back in the day. That's that's where it, it sort of was born, and then they ended up moving to LA. And so they had amassed um, some some fans and some some investment um, relationships through that experience. And so we met Seth and Ella. Um, through that and you know from there started getting linked up with some folks that were interested in innovation in the CPG space so I wouldn't say it's a, it was a breeze we definitely worked our butts off on um, you know not only providing that the data and the and the research that they were interested in seeing so that they knew it had um, you know potential longevity there um, but also just like working out the model, really thinking about, okay, even though this is an innovation that the world has never seen, can we build a business model that is sustainable? Can we um, try different creative avenues to get this product out the door? And I think those were the things that ultimately sold these investors. Um, but, you know, we took we took their investment, you know, we didn't take their investment for granted. We, we took it and, and really respected and ran with it. And I think they were really impressed with what we were able to do. So, um, we did about $3 million our first year on the market. And that was primarily online, which is like unheard of for a beverage. Yeah. <laughs> beverage wow. company. Yes. Hustled. That's great. Congrats. <laughs> so it was a lot of hard work, but I will say the results were there. Yeah. Um, the was that mostly was- Instagram, Facebook kind of stuff, or how did you find those people? I yeah. Guess. A lot of it was, a lot of it yeah. was social yep. media. It was definitely the press, you know, um, mm-hmm. we we're supposed to launch January 1, 2019. And we ended up launching, um, about a month early from that because Vogue, I, I, one of these bars that I mentioned, um, mm-hmm. was gracious enough to host me and the culture, the culture beat editor for Vogue, um, USA. And he used to be an editor for Rolling Stone magazine and, um, was like, listen, lady, I know my way around euphoria. Uh, I used to <laughs> tour with Metallica. Yep. <laughs> And he's like, I don't think there's anything you can put in my hands. He's like, I've been sober now 10 years. I don't think there's anything you can give me that could uh, replicate that or or substitute that experience. And so we had a really good discussion about pleasure and um, what true pleasure, what true euphoria is versus ecstasy, which is fleeting out of body. Mm-hmm. what true inner euphoria meant. And I think we just aligned philosophically. He had that that experience. Luckily, he was going for a music uh, a music lesson after, and he felt euphoric. I mean, he, he came back, he wrote this firsthand account of his experience. Oh, and I wow. think that, what, that just set it off. I mean, when people read mm-hmm. that article, we could not keep product on the shelves. I mean, orders were just flooding in. Wow. And so that's how we knew there's demand for this and and people were watching. I mean, I think um, after that first year, about 190 brands launched after us in the space. Holy cow. Yeah. That's a competitive space. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, that's a, I love this story and I appreciate you sharing it. And I, I know we're about at time uh, today. I could feel like I could talk to you. We've known each other for a bit. So I feel like I'd talk to you forever here. But I want to keep conscious of that time and also want to just kind of get kind of your long-term kind of what do you see in the future where do you, where do you want to see can go and uh, and then we'll kind of wrap it up thank you yeah i mean i i think you know for us it's it's apparent that can ultimately um should be a household name i mean we are building this with our community i want to see can in everyone's you know home fridge home bar 
um, and I want you to be able to access it anywhere you go. And so we have a lot of work ahead of us for that. Um, but I think we'll also start to uh, expand into different formats um, and different avenues. So um, the same sort of integral stack in terms of functionality, um, nootropics, adaptogenics, um, really helping to bring some awareness around the versatility of these ingredients. Um, but perhaps you'll start to see us in different um, different delivery mechanisms, whether it's food or otherwise. <laughs> I love it. Can't wait to see what you do next with this. It's it's really grown fast and I, I love watching you and um, cheering you as well and obviously drinking it as well. It's been great. So thanks so much uh, for doing that. How could people get in touch with you if they wanted to maybe find your product or had a question or is there anything else you wanted to share, I guess, about, about Kin right now? Yeah, please. So Actual Sunshine is just hitting shelves as we speak. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to try it for the first time. Um, we do have a program with Isle, um, especially at Sprouts, if you want to try the product. Um, it's a bit of a BOGO promo. Um, but hit me up via DM either on Instagram. I'm Jen of Kin. Um, or on LinkedIn and let's connect. I'm happy to answer any questions. I'm an open book, sometimes to a fault. <laughs> so, um, but I feel like that helps everyone when I can be vulnerable and share my story. So um, I'm willing to do that for any of those listening that want to know how to break into this space or want to know more about the product. Thanks so much, Jen. I really appreciate uh, you being here and obviously appreciate our time we had when we were out in uh, Las Vegas together downtown. Uh, and obviously enjoyed our conversation today. So thanks for your time. And obviously we'll be continuing to, to follow your journey and drinking can along the way. So thanks so much, Jen. Such an interesting conversation. Love hearing how, how somebody that didn't come from this area got into it. And um, some great tips and pointers along the way there. So appreciate uh, Jen for joining us. And I love the drink too. So that, that makes it even better. My favorite, I think, is Bloom. And uh, I can't wait to try the new new flavors that they're offering now. So got, glad I got a chance to catch up with Jen and her company. All right. Well, that's the show for today. Hopefully you had a great listen here and uh, you enjoyed it. If you did, please do share it and rate review us. We appreciate all the reviews and feedback we get. And it'll help bubble it up for others that need to find us and learn from these different entrepreneurs and, and lessons learned. And uh, if you haven't already and you have a startup idea, please do start it. Get it going. Get it started. Today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going. Get it started. And I encourage you in doing so, please do join our community. Come say hello. Join our community for access to support, expert advice, and all the resources you would need to elevate your startup by simply going to soty.link, L-I-N-K, forward slash apply, or just go to startupofyear.com and join us today. You can find the application there and just get in there, join our, our community. There's lots of different resources for you, lots of ongoing events, and um, hopefully we can help you get to the next level. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones out there and make waves out there in the world. We need you. Good luck and good luck starting up. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.